Hello, welcome to my eyes for ears, your ophthalmology OCAPS and Board View podcast. We're your host, Ben Young. And Amanda Redfern. So another oral boards review, this time a little bit longer, and we're going to be talking about... Entropian. This topic will make you flip out. No, flip in. This one's flip in. <laughs> <laughs> um, so again, we're going to do this in an oral board style. You're not going to go super in depth about it, but try to highlight the things that you need to remember for your actual oral boards or if you're seeing patients quickly in the clinic. So Amanda, what is the differential for entropian? Let's say you're just showing a picture of an you know, older person with clear entropion and one of their eyes. What do you do? So the first one, I'm just going to get out of the way because it's probably not this in an older person, but congenital entropion is a thing. Mm-hmm. It's actually pretty rare. And I think if it were coming up, it'd probably be on a younger kid versus an older person. But congenital is technically in the differential. The most common by far and away is involutional. Um, and that can be caused by overriding of the orbicularis, lid laxity, or disinsertion of the retractors or combination thereof. The next thing in the differential is acute spastic. And lastly, cicatricial. So there are four things, congenital, involutional, spastic, and cicatricial. So to help start to figure out which of those four causes it is, what are some important questions you ask on your history? So, of course, you want to know how long this has been going on for, but then you want to get at things that might be causing cicatricial. So talking about or asking about ocular trauma, history of autoimmune disease, history of Stevens-Johnson syndrome, infections like zoster or chlamydia, any prior surgeries, um, chronic use of glaucoma medications, especially meiotics and prostaglandins, which I thought Mm. that was interesting those particular categories, but just in general, asking about glaucoma medications. And then symptoms, right? So they're probably having tearing, eye redness, foreign body sensation. Right. Probably from the lash touch to the, you know, iris or not to the iris. That would be really bad. (laughs) (laughs) Now back to the trauma history. Yeah. 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 There's a lash inside the eye. That's not typical. Uh, So what are you going to look for then on your exam after you've gotten your history? So these things are really going to be trying to parse out which mechanism of entropia are you dealing with. And you can actually have signs of multiple, so I'm going to talk about them. In the involutional category, you're looking for signs of superior override of the preceptal orbicularis. So you can check for this by asking or First, placing the lid in a normal position and then instructing the patient to forcefully close their eyelids and then watching what it does. And so the orbicularis, as it squeezes, is going to push on the tarsal plate, rotating it. And you'll see that particularly accentuated in this maneuver. So you can then consider the superior override of the orbicularis in that scenario. Fun fact, apparently there's no videos of this on YouTube. I know. (laughs) (laughs) So if you see this in clinic and you catch a uh, video, obviously with patient consent, then you could be the first person to put this on the internet for educational purposes. Yes, that would be great. The ones that I actually remember most are tests of lid laxity. So you're going to have the pinch test, which is when you're pulling that lid away from the globe. And the snapback test, which is the pinch plus letting go to see if it repositions itself against the globe again. And this is, you know, spontaneous repositioning after you let go and before the patient blinks. And then 
lateral distraction tests to see how weak or lax that medial canthal tendon is. So you'll pull the lid laterally and see how far it displaces the punctum. It can go as far as the limbus, but if it's going further than that, that's really abnormal. Good landmarks. Yeah. And then lastly, signs of retractor disinsertion. I think these are a lot more subtle. I can't say I've personally seen them, but I mean, you want to look for like a white subconjunctival line several millimeters below the inferior tarsal border that's caused by the leading edge of the detached retractors. And then you can look for a deeper than normal inferior fornix or elevation of the lower eyelid or minimal movement of the lower eyelid on down gaze, which you can imagine, you know, if your retractors are disinserted, you're going to start to have those uh, lid malpositions. So, so those are the signs to look for for involutional entropion. What about in the spastic kind? Like, what are you looking for if you're suspecting this is more of an acute spastic entropion? So acute spastic is like this vicious cycle that starts with ocular irritation or maybe it doesn't start with it, but it can start with ocular irritation or inflammation, which then leads to your orbic spasming and contracting, which then leads to the entropion, which then leads to more ocular irritation. And then it just goes around and around in circles. I mean, obviously, if you're having entropion from other causes and you're having some lash K-touch, that could be the ocular irritation that then leads to the spasticity. So I would consider this component alone and with other causes of entropion. And then what about that last cause, cicatricial? What are you looking for there? So you really want to evert the eyelid and look for scarring and for the lid returning back to its previous position, right? So if you have lid laxity, you pull that lid away, it's not going to really snap back. But with cicatricial, you have scars that are just pulling it back into that entropian place. And so when you try to evert it and you let go, it, it really snaps right back into its, I, yeah. I guess, it's, is it Abnormal. everted? Abnormal yeah. position. Abnormal, yeah, yeah. Inverted position, right? Yeah. Yeah. And it might feel even like thicker, more like rubbery and stuff, right? So you've done all these appropriate tests, but I have entropion. What, what do you, how do you treat this patient? What do you do? So there are different categories. You can do temporizing measures and then more long-term measures. Temporizing would be, of course, like lubricating to help with the ocular irritation and sequela of the entropion. Um, you can even go as far as a bandage uh, contact lens to really protect that cornea uh, from abrasion or other trauma. Sometimes eyelash ablation might be needed, especially if you can't repair the entropion right away, just getting the offending lashes out of the way. Rotational sutures are a good temporizing measure. They usually, from my understanding, don't last forever, but they can really help alleviate the symptoms and get the lid back into normal position. And then for spastic, you can consider Botox to really cut that cycle that we talked about earlier. Nice. But, you know, entropion is a surgical issue. So if it's maybe something like involutional, even cicatrical, I think surgical repair is a, a long-term fix, right? Yeah. So for involutional, you're really trying to target the mechanism. And again, I'll reiterate one more time that you can have multiple mechanisms. So you might be doing multiple parts of the surgery, but one of the more common things that we think about is doing an eyelids shortening procedure like an LTS. 
lateral tarsal strip. You can reinsert the eyelid retractors where they're supposed to be. And then in the spastic case, you can even do a limited myectomy of the orbicularis. And then when it comes to cicatricial, you really got to be considerate of the timing of your surgery. You don't want to do surgery during an acute inflammatory phase, assuming that there's some, you know, underlying inflammatory condition. So while you're waiting for that to resolve, we can do some of the temporizing measures. And then in terms of what you do once things have quieted down, you can do a tarsal fracture operation for a mild to moderate case or a tarsal replacement graft. Nice. So, And I think that's all you kind of need to know for at least for oral board purposes, right? Yeah, I think so. Awesome. Look at you started in in comp clinic too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. At least get you started right until they can go see the experts. Yeah, yeah. We probably won't walk you through all the surgical steps on how to do any of these things. But uh, if you like what you heard, you can follow us on Twitter at eyes four ears of number four. And if you'd like to support the podcast, a rating review on iTunes or where we found us is super helpful. Thanks for you guys for your time, and we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.